And would you turn in your Bibles to that little book of Hosea. Hosea in the uh, Old Testament, one of the minor prophets, not because it's less important, just a little smaller. I like to read, and I'm a reader, and I wonder how many other people in this room read the book by Francine Rivers, Redeeming Love. Any other readers in the room that read that book? Hold your hand up high if you read it. There's a few of the, you see them in there? There are readers. All right, now, uh, Francine Rivers takes true Bible stories, and then she writes set in another time. Like, for instance, that story was set in the, in the 1850s during the California Gold Rush with a man by the name of Michael Hosea, kind of in the same scene, and then, and then uh, uh, also uh, his uh, beloved was Angel. And <clears throat> I, I, went to, I read the book. So when the movie came out, I thought, well, I'm going to go see that movie. And then my girls went to see it. And they said, Dad, probably shouldn't go to the movie. And I said, well, why? Surely, and they said, because there's some scenes in it that would be uh, um, not so appropriate uh, for you to see. And they know I'm funny about stuff like that. So I waited until it came out. I knew one of those uh, groups would, uh, you know, Netflix or somebody would have it. And, you know, I, I said, Lord, can I watch that movie if I have a remote in my hand and my thumb on the fast-forward button? Because I've seen that happen before. You know, other things come out and there'd only be one or two crazy scenes in it. But they could have left out. Why did Hollywood do that? I know why they, don't, why they leave them ugly scenes in it and personal scenes in it because a lot of them are lost. That's why. Say people wouldn't include all that. I, I'm surprised Francine let them do that, but I'll talk to her about that if I ever meet her. Maybe in heaven. <clears throat> but uh, what I did, I watched it, and then when I see, saw something coming, and you know how you can see it coming, I just hit that fast-forward button until till it just blurred past it, and then I got to the other side, watched the rest. And I'm glad, I'm glad that I was able to see that. I wouldn't recommend that for everyone, but it was good for me. And I, I really, I think I understand more of this story of Hosea after reading that book and watching excerpts of that movie. Because we can't see all of the backstory of this true Bible event that happened. But here's a little of it, <clears throat> and we'll speculate on some of it. The truth is, God was feeling abandoned and betrayed by His people, Israel. Probably not unlike the way He's feeling right now. Because what's happened is, as a generation... Believers, young and old alike, have began to go uh, after other lovers. Things of this world and idols that become more important to us than He is. And the tragedy of that is, I see the broken heart of God. You say, well, you think God really feels those things? I really believe He does because I think the scene where He says to Hosea, I'm going to let you walk through some of this. You see, the way I see it is, the reason God asked Hosea to marry this woman that was pursuing other lovers is because they weren't listening to the prophets. They weren't listening to the preachers. And this generation don't want to hear much about that either. <clears throat> of course you do. Or you wouldn't be here this morning. But because they weren't listening to the prophets, God said, I'm going to give them a live visual of how I feel when my people abandon me. And you know my ministry is calling churches to revival and calling believers to renewal and repentance and revival. And so this morning, I'm going to do that again in the church that I love so much, my home church. I don't know. We're going to read the, the whole passage, just well, just a few verses in a moment. But I don't know if before Hosea ever went to pursue Gomer, 
who would become his wife. I don't know if she began early her life of promiscuity. I don't know if she began to seek multiple men and find her, uh, her joy or maybe her, her passion in the arms of other men before him. Or I don't know if it happened afterwards. Maybe they had some years of wholesome, godly marriage and love between the two of them before she began to go after other men. I don't know that. You don't either. The commentators don't either. You know what a commentator is, don't you? It is what? Commentator. When you stay somewhere for 40 years, just about it, people know your words, and I say that so much. They're just commentators. That's all they are. They don't know any more than anybody else knows. But here's what I want you to know. We don't know all the backstory of this, and we won't till we get to heaven, because the books wouldn't contain all the whole story of every story in the Bible, all these true ones. Here's what we do know. God spoke to Hosea, and He spoke to him for us this morning. Because I don't doubt there's some of us that need to hear from God on this subject today. So let's pray, and I'll give you a little background, and we'll read the text. I'll be brief this morning. Let's pray. Father, we are so glad to be in your house with your people. Lord, it's good to be home this morning. Bless our dear pastor. Refresh him. Uh, in his time away. Lord, minister to he and Lynn as they uh, approach the empty nest. And uh, Lord, I pray that your will would be accomplished in this place. God, we felt your spirit through the live stream last Sunday. You were clearly at work. There was glory in the house and people were being moved by the spirit and there was all kinds of things, Lord, you were doing and we'll find out in heaven all the details. Lord, this is a new day. You have something to say to us, and I pray I wouldn't hinder it. Lord, I want to be a vessel you can use to flow through, and I claim your promise, Lord, of that. Use our time together in the Scriptures. In Jesus' name, amen. Truth is, if we looked at those times, everything appeared to be good. They were prospering materially. There was pleasure abounding, national security. There was no uh, captivity at this point, not even a threat. There was much religious activity. Does that sound familiar? But if we look deeper, we would see in the hearts of the people, they're very empty, shallow and showy. There was corruption everywhere. They had turned to be unfaithful to God. And it's pretty sad. This, <clears throat> this scene, I love the Bible. I hope you, you are falling more and more in love with God by reading His Word because this is more exciting to me the stories of the scriptures, the true stories, are more exciting than anything to me. Notice what we're going to see in this book of Hosea, which I exhort you to read in the next few days. We're going to see grace and forgiveness, love, pain, adultery, idolatry, mercy, long-suffering, grief, redemption, hope, and repentance. All of that we see in this scene, in this story. <clears throat> so let's read the scriptures, and then I want to lift three thoughts and ask God to speak to us this morning on this subject, the Father's heart. I want you to look beyond the whole scene to see the heart of Hosea, and by it, I want you to see the Father's heart. Because remember, this is a story of a man and a woman, but it's a portrayal, an illustration of God Himself and how He feels when the, the nation He married, Israel, departs from him, and how God feels 
and how Jesus feels when his bride, the church, goes after other gods. Verse 1, the word of the Lord that came into Hosea, the son of the Eri, in the, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahab, Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and, the, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, the king of Israel. The beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea, and the Lord said to Hosea, Go, take a wife, take unto thee a wife of whoredoms and children of whoredoms. For the land hath committed great whoredom, departing from the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblam, which conceived and bare him a son. Notice the word him. And the Lord said unto him, Call his name Jezreel, for yet a little while, and I will avenge the blood of Jezreel upon the house of Jehu. And will cause to cease the kingdom of the house of Israel. It's a whole other scene I wish I had time to talk about. And it shall come to pass at that day that I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. And she conceived again and bear a daughter. It doesn't say bear him a daughter. We've already been told she's going to bring children that she's conceived with other men into the home, the family. Call her name Lo-Ruhamah. For I will no more have mercy. Her name means no mercy. For I will no more have mercy upon the house of Israel. There are times when God is angry with His people out of the hurt. But I will utterly take them away. But I will have mercy upon the house of Judah. And I will save them by the Lord their God and will not save them by bow, nor by sword, nor by battle, nor by horses, nor by horsemen. Now when she had weaned at Loruhamah, third child now, she conceived and bare a son. Then said God, notice God's naming these young'uns. Call his name, Lo am I, for ye are not my people. The word means not my son. And I will not be your God. Yet, this is where everything turns in the scene. I love this grace turn. Yet, the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea, <clears throat> which cannot be numbered, for, uh, nor measured, nor numbered, it, and it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, Ye are not my people, there it shall be said unto them, Ye are the sons of the living God. Then shall the children of Judah and the children of Israel be gathered together and appoint themselves one head, and they shall come up out of the land, for great shall be the day of Jezreel. And notice verse 1, chapter 2. Say ye unto your brethren, Am I? And to your sister, Ruhamah. There's a change of names and I'm saving that for my hook at the end. Let me give you three thoughts out of this text. <clears throat> Number one, I want you to see the man and his God. The man, Hosea, and his God. Number two, I want you to see the word from God. And number three, and finally, the grace of God. Number one, <clears throat> I want you to look at this man, Hosea, the man and his God. What kind of a man must Hosea have been to have been the man chosen out of the whole nation, out of everybody on the planet, to, to, for God to speak to, for him to choose to go through this terrible ordeal, to be broken, to be embarrassed, to be betrayed? God knew of all the people on the planet, there's at least one man that I can trust. He rises above all the rest. Now, is Hosea a perfect man? Heavens, no. One thing about reading the book that helped me to see that not all of it's recorded here. I'm sure he's a mortal man. He's a human being. He probably got angry as well. There were times when, by the way, you know where anger comes from. 
It's always a mask. It's a mask of hurt. I'm sure there were moments when he came home and she wasn't there. She had gone after other men. That he was so broken and hurt that his hurt produced anger. And he probably said things he should not have said. In fact, in chapter 2, we see him saying some things to his children that probably weren't the best things to say to them at that moment. But God is also full of wrath. And he feels that way. And you know why he feels that way? Get ready, here's a good place for an amen. Because God is holy. This world, this culture, His people often are not holy. But that doesn't change the fact that God is to be feared and God is holy. And because His holiness is so great, sin glares in His presence. His heart is broken. So this man Hosea, though not a perfect man, must have been pretty cotton-picking special for God to choose him. This is a thought that I had. I haven't read it anywhere in my study or preparation. Young people, I hope you all are listening because this is really important to you. Here's what I know about, about God and God's heart. I'm of the opinion, because of the way Hosea responded to Gomer, because of the way God called Hosea in this moment to take on this burden, I'm of the opinion that God maybe wanted someone else to feel what he was feeling. Remember, the whole purpose of creation, the creation of man, was that we could fellowship with him. He wanted us to sup with him, commune with him. Maybe Hosea and the purpose of, of this was not only to teach Israel what it feels like when a, a wife goes away from her husband or a husband goes away from his wife. Hey, by the way, we've, we've heard of those scenes, haven't we? We've heard of the first part of this story where women or men forsake their spouse and go after other lovers. What we haven't heard is that forsaken one, that that broken one, that betrayed one, pursuing and loving them and bringing them back. We don't hear that very often. Sometimes. But not very often. But I'm thinking that God may have said, Hosea, I want you to share in this with me. I want you to feel my heart for this. I want you to feel the brokenness that I feel when I love this nation And I brought her to myself. And now she's gone after other lovers. She's forsaken me. The nation of Israel has forsaken me. My people have forsaken me. Jesus would look at the bride, the church, and see that we've gone after other gods and things that we love more than we love Him. Hosea, would you share in this with me? Would you go and marry a wife? who I'm going to tell you in advance is going to be unfaithful to you. She's going to humiliate you. Would you do that for me, Hosea? I'm talking about a man in such communion with God that he could ask anything of him. Are you in that kind of communion with God, ma'am? Sir, young person, where God could take you through whatever and instead of you getting angry and saying, God, why would you do this to me? Here I've tried to serve you all these years. And by the way, may I remind you that he's not your servant, you're his servant. And whatever He brings in your life is for His glory and your good in the long run. Well, we miss that up. But you know God asked Him a hard thing. Does He ever ask you a hard thing? Are you going through something that nobody else knows about or maybe everybody else knows about it and it's embarrassing and it hurts 
and you don't like it. You don't have to like it to love him and to trust him. And I love the fact that we don't see Hosea bucking up at God and accusing God, Lord, why would you make me go through this? Here I am with these two other children in my house, and God, why? They're not even my children. We don't see any of that. Maybe he had a discourse with God at times, but I don't see it. I see Hosea in the Scriptures responding with an absolutely yes, God. Will it be hard? Yes. Will I be broken? Yes. But if it's for you, and if it's going to help my family, and if it's going to help my nation, and if others are going to see you and know your heart, and on a Sunday morning in July... 2022, there'll be a church that will understand a little more of my heart. Then, okay, God, you're more important to me than my comfort. The man and his God. Can you pray for me that way? Can you pray for me that whatever comes in my life for the balance of my days, that I'll be able to turn and say, God, I don't blame you for anything. You've been so good to me. I love you, whatever you bring. And not, by the way, for the record, Lord and church, I ain't asking for it. But what he chooses sovereignly to bring, I want to love him enough to not bring accusation against a holy God and be bitter. You met those people that get bitter as they get older and then wonder, why don't my kids come and see me? Well, I can help you with that. You're mean. Number two, I want you to see not only the man and his God, but I want you to look at the word, and I want you to see the word from God. Look at it two times, verse 1 and verse 2, he said, the word of the Lord that came to Hosea. Look here, Hosea didn't figure this out. This is God's plan. Look at verse 2, the beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea. And then he said it again, and the Lord said to Hosea. These were things God asked of him. And for the record, you and I are never going to know what God asked of us until we open up that Bible that you've left sitting, growing dust all around. Looking around at the faces of some of the sweet people in my small group we met this Monday. Tim led us through a Bible study. We had the sweetest time. We ate, we laughed, we wiped a tear away or two. If you're not in one of them, boy, I would just tell you, you're missing something. The Word of God. God will speak to you through His Word the same way He spoke to Hosea. The Word from God. Hosea, I want you to take a wife in this setting. You're going to have children. Some are not going to be yours. But I want you to be like me. I want you to love those children. You're going to feel anger at times. She's going to leave you at times. But I want you to love her. And I want you to illustrate for all the nation, for everybody that will see you and know you, and for everybody that will read a copy of God's Word down through the ages, I want you to show them my heart that yes, it hurts. Did it hurt him when he walked into the city street and saw her standing there with no clothes on and men bidding for her? Did it hurt him when he went to find her down the the sullen streets and found her with other men? Of course it did. Does it hurt God when you and I choose to live a life that displeases Him and enter into our sin? Does it hurt Christ? I think God is saying yes by this book of Hosea. You can disagree with me. 
Don't come and argue with me about it because you're not going to change my mind, but, but you can disagree. Do you see it? God said, here's what I have for you. Some of the hardest things he said in his word was this. This was hard for me to read. He said, I want you to call that first. When, when they put, look, I got some grace in me. But yet, when they put the little girl, not Jezreel, the firstborn. But when they put that little girl in his arms and he knew that it wasn't his. God said, I want you to call her name. This is hard. Loruhama. No mercy. I don't know all of what he was feeling. I know God has torn. He's torn in these moments because we're going to see that in a moment. God has, by the way, God's mind can change. By the way, it's, that don't, shouldn't tear your theology up. He just knew he was going to change his mind. Um, but watch this. He's holding that little girl and he says, no mercy. I don't think I'm doing damage to the translation by saying, I don't love you. You see, God was broken because of Israel's sin. Did he love them? Yes, they're his people, but he didn't feel love in that moment, and there's no mercy. But that name's going to be changed. Hang on, the good stuff's coming. And then after she weans her, they bring him another little boy, and God says, and I want you to call his name. I gave you the name for her. His name is Lo-Am-I. You are not my son. I mean, can I tell you, after 40 years of ministry in this community, some of the worst pain inflicted upon anybody have come from words. When a child has looked in the eyes of their adoptive parents or their step-parent and said, I don't love you. You are not my father. You're not my mother. When you've loved them so much. I experienced this one time. I was a stupid teenager. And I didn't mean it. But I just wanted to bring hurt. To my stepfather Arthur Justice. And I remember looking at him. I may have been 14, 15. And I said. You are not my father. I don't know if I said I don't love you or not. But I said you're not my father. I still, it's vivid in my mind right now. And he hung his head down. Some of y'all knew him. Tears started streaming out of his eyes. And when he could come to himself, his hands were about that long, his arms were about that tall skin. He said, you know, I may not be your biological father, but I love you as much as anybody could ever. Something like that. And he took them big old arms and he wrapped me up. By that time, the Holy Ghost had so smote me with conviction. I was broken. He just held me there. I never said that to him again. You may have experienced that pain. I tell you what's worse. Not only when a child says it to a parent. What if you were to turn to your child and say, I don't love you. You say, does people really do that? Lost people do. Or people that are severely backslidden, mean people do. Or two, or a, or a parent, a, a step-parent, adopted parent say, you're not my son. Look, I want you to feel the weight of this moment. 
God said, let Israel know that their sin is separating me from them. They're my people. I love them. I'm married to them. The word from God, your sin costs something. It costs God something. It costs Jesus something. It'll cost you something. You're saved now. You know you can't play the fool no more. You can, but you're going, to get, you're going to pay the price for it. Chastening's very real for a believer. I had a man say to me one time, I said something like he said, right there's why I don't get saved. I'm going to live the way I want to. I said, you know, you can. And if you go, you go into death without knowing Jesus, you'll go to hell in that condition. Did you know that's the only thing to take a man to hell? Rejection of Jesus Christ in the gospel. Just simply reject him. Let me wrap this up. I want you to see not only the man and his God and the word from God, but I love what happens in this text. Now, those of you that have been here a while, if you're new, I want you to learn something about me because I want to know all about you. Every time I come in, me and Terry, I look around, there's new families here, there's new singles here, there's new old folks here, there's no young folks here. I, I am so excited about this season in our church. I am. All them kids that got saved, C-Y-I-A, I'm telling you, it's been a hallelujah summer, and there's more coming. We're coming into Judgment House. That camps, praise God. I heard about all of them. But if you want to know something about me, here it is. You may not want to, but don't matter. It's my turn. It's been three months. Here you go. I like happy endings in stories and in movies. Don't ever recommend anything to me to watch or read that doesn't have a, a good, happy, joyful end. Because I, I, just, uh, I just love them. And I, I've, I've made the mistake of watching a few things or reading a few things that didn't, and, it, and I get angry. I get mad at the people who recommend it to me. But I forgive them. Listen to this. I think I was at the church where Pastor Cameron ministered for 20 years in the mountains of Virginia when, I, when a little woman said to me one day on the way out the door, I know why you like happy endings. Do you know why you like happy endings to a story? And I said, and how many of you have ever heard this? Raise your hand if you know it. All right, a whole bunch of you. Half of you weren't listening when I said it all those many times through the years. She said, here's the reason why. Because you were made for one. You're going to have one. One day, all of a sudden, the imminent return of Jesus. He's going to step out on the clouds, call us out. We're going home to heaven, drop all the mess that we're dealing with right now and the pain and the sorrow. We're going to be caught up in the clouds with Jesus at the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're going to, we're going to sit down with Him. He's going to gird Himself in service. Then we're going into eternity with our Lord. Now listen to me. It's going to be most wonderful end, except it's just the beginning. <coughs> what a celebration. But I saw it in this text. Let me close with it. Look at verse 10 and watch how everything changes. First he says, you're going to marry a wife that's going to be unfaithful to you. You're going to have children of whoredoms. I'm going to have no mercy on you, Israel. And, and you're having no mercy, lo Ruhama and, and lo am, am I. You're not my son. <clears throat> then that little transitional word, yet, in my translation, yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea. That just doesn't seem to fit here. Seems like he should be on a tirade or something, doesn't it? But he said, no, you're, you're, the number of the children of Israel will be as the sand of the sea, 
which cannot be measured nor numbered. It shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, You are not my people. He said, remember when I said that? I said that to Israel. But he said, let me tell you what I'm going to say. There, there it shall be said unto them, You are the sons of the living God. Then shall the children of Judah and the children of Israel be gathered together and appoint themselves one head, and they shall come up out of the land. For great shall be the day of Jezreel. And you know, of course, there are no chapter divisions or punctuation in the original. So let's flow into that one verse. Say unto your brethren. You remember their names? Lo, Ruhamah. Lo am I. Uh Uh-uh. He said, call them something different. Now look at this. He's just mentioned Jezreel. In verse 11, he says, Say unto your brethren, Am I? No low anymore. Not, you're not my son. Here's what it says. You are my son. <laughs> this morning, in the uh, 8 o'clock service, my two younger grandchildren, Thomas and Justice, were in that service. And boy, it's just a challenge for them to sit still that long. But they did it. They wiggled and squirmed, wrote a few things. But I thought about the times when they bound out their side door. There's a little ramp there. And they come running down that with their arms wide open. And, and I, I'm ready to embrace them. Come here. Come here to me. You know, you are my son, my grandson. You are. This is God. This is what God said. I'm going to say to Israel, there'll be a day. <clears throat> it's coming. Look at the grace. The grace of our God, as he says. Not, no longer, you're not my son, but come here. You are my son. (coughs) I could see old Hosea saying to that little boy that didn't feel like he was loved, come here. Come here to to me. I love you just as much as I love your brother. By the way, his brother Jezreel, that name meant scattered. That's what happened to Israel. There'll be a regathering. You know what the name, you know what that name has two sides of it. You know what the name is in this happy moment right now? It's planted. No longer scattered, but planted. No longer, no you're not my son, you are my son. And finally, Loruhama. No, no longer, no mercy for you. I will not show mercy on you, Israel. I will not show mercy on you, Gomer. I will not show mercy on you, Loruhama. I will not show mercy on you, church. Sinners. Saved ones or not. No, he says, now your name is Ruhama. You know what that name is? Mercy and love. By the way, I wonder if anybody else in this room is glad we didn't get what we deserved, but we got grace and we got mercy from our God. Every one of us would be in hell if we got what we deserved. But thanks be to God, there's a God in heaven who loves us and extends grace to us. And this morning, He extends grace to you. Maybe you know a little about religion, but you've never been born again. Maybe you didn't realize that as a born-again Christian. Maybe you are saved, but you've run from God and you've gone after the world, whoring after other gods, and everything else means more to you than Him. I want to tell you, come back to God this morning. Repent. Because there's a God in heaven who loves you so much, He gave His only Son for your salvation, to give you hope, to give you life, to change everything. Can we feel a little of the Father's heart this morning as we look into Hosea chapter 1? Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Lord, I want to thank you for your grace because I have been Gomer. And Lord, I have felt like those children born unloved without mercy. And in the name of Jesus, maybe there's somebody here, Lord, I'm sure there is. 
that's far away from you. Either they've never been saved by grace. They prayed a little prayer, but their life never changed. They never fell in love with you. They never fell in love with your word. Lord, they've gone after every other idol in the world with no chastisement. Lord, I pray they'd come to you and repent and believe the good news of the gospel. <clears throat> that you died and were buried, rose again the third day to change our lives and give us life. And then, Lord, I pray for believers that we'll get right with you this morning. That we'll identify some things in our life, some people, some places <clears throat> that are not pleasing to you. And we'll love you more than them.